everyone, and welcome to the Faithful Pursuit Podcast. This is a podcast to encourage and equip young adults to faithfully pursue Christ as He faithfully pursues us. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Faithful Pursuit Podcast. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this new episode. This is an episode all about kind of the effects that abortion has on society and the pro-life movement. Um, all from a Christian perspective. So I have one of my best friends, Nicole Martin, on the podcast today. She is just so awesome. She works in the pro-life movement and has done a lot of like grassroots type of things. And we are also both in a club that we started together with a group of other awesome people um, called Students for Life at our college campus, which we kind of talk about um, a little bit once we get into the episode, but I'm just so excited. Again, this is from a Christian perspective, and we just really want to come at this issue and at this topic with a lot of grace and just empathy for women and for even people who are pro-abortion and people who agree with abortion or think it's okay um we still want to love everyone and give grace and just empathy and sympathy to everyone because we really don't know their situation and we don't know like their thoughts and their feelings just again being super empathetic to that but then also speaking truth that abortion is killing the lives of the unborn that that's a wrong act that we shouldn't celebrate that and we should do everything we can to protect the the helpless and the innocent and that's what me and Nicole are trying to do and I think every Christian should try to do so yes and then stay tuned for another episode later on I'm not sure when it'll come out but that episode will kind of be talking more about the abortion arguments both for abortion and against abortion, how to kind of um, respond to the pro-abortion arguments, and then also getting more into maybe some of the scientific um, facts when it comes to like the development of a baby in the womb, stuff like that, and what the unborn really is. We did touch on some of that in this episode, but we're going to get into that more in the later episode, so stay tuned. Also, I just really encourage you, even if you don't agree with us, or even if you don't agree with the pro-life side, to just really listen to this with an open mind and an open heart, and I really hope that you just understand our perspective and where we're coming from, and can get something out of it, and can, I don't know, maybe just take away even just one thing, and just kind of change your understanding even just a little bit of abortion um so with all that being said this is the episode i hope you enjoy hey guys and welcome to the new episode of the podcast i have here with me one of my closest friends nicole martin if you want to take a minute to introduce yourself and kind of what you do um what in regards to like pro-life ministry and like schooling and all of that yeah so I just finished my freshman year at GCU I'm from Atlanta Georgia so going to GCU is kind of um 
a long way. Um, I'm double majoring in Spanish and economics, and I really like doing stuff with the pro-life movement. Yeah, awesome. Um, do you have like any specific things that maybe you've been working on so far? Um, well, I worked with you to start the Students for Life chapter at GCU, which is really fun. Um, so I've been working on improving that and working on how we can transition from um, politics into also community service and helping pregnant women, especially at GCU and in the Phoenix community. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something I've been working on a lot. Awesome, Nicole. Um, so yeah, so you are very involved in the pro-life movement. Um, you have done just so much already and you're you know, only going into your sophomore year. Um, I think that's so awesome. So I kind of wanted to just kind of open up the episode. We're talking about how we met each other because I think that's a super cool, like kind of just God moment and a really funny story. So if you kind of wanted to touch on like your side of the story on how we met and then I can maybe touch a little bit on my side, but yeah. Uh, so I remember when I decided I wanted to look into starting a Students for Life chapter, I emailed um, the Students for Life Regional Coordinator of Arizona. And so I had just been getting a bunch of emails from her about things we could do to get involved. And um, all of the emails had just been to me up until randomly, one of the emails was also to a girl named Haley. And I was like, that's weird. Like, that's a little weird. Anyway, so then I'm also in a group chat with people from Turning Point, which is just a conservative club on campus. And then I saw someone named Haley Keller in the group <laughs> chat texting about a pro-life event coming up. And I was like, no way. So I just DM'd her. Um, and I say her as if I'm not talking to you. Um, but and so then we just been friends since then. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, so for my side of the story, I I don't really remember um, being like in like a group email with you. I remember that I wanted to um, like start a pro-life club on campus, but I didn't really know how. Like I just thought I was going to go into it by myself. Like none of my friends like were, were really interested in like doing a club like everyone was you know busy doing their own thing which totally fine um so I was like didn't know how or when or what or who I was gonna do this with so I reached out to the students for life regional coordinator and I was like hey like I'm interested in starting a um students for life pro-life club on my college campus like do you have any like like do you know like how I can do that and she's like actually like there's other girls at your school who want to do that too and I'll like give them your information or I'll give you their information or something she never gave me your guys's information like ever <laughs> which I think is so funny that but I still like like got to meet you even though like she had nothing to do with it for me and so I remember being in the other group chat with the other club and I think, yeah, I said something about like a pro-life event and Nicole messaged me and was like, hey, um, me and these other girls are starting this club. Like, do you want to be involved in it? And I was like, 
wait, what? Like, you're those girls that, like, the the coordinator that I emailed, like, was talking about? Like, that's you? So I just thought that was, like, such a crazy moment. Like, I don't know. It was so awesome. And then we met up, I think, the next day and, like, got dinner or something. And, yeah, we've been friends ever since. So, yeah. Awesome. Super fun. Yeah, and then, so, Nicole, I always open up every episode with, like, something that one of my guests has, um, like, a the, their biggest piece of advice for young adults, um, especially in regards to faithfully pursuing Christ, because that's kind of what the whole podcast is about, but also even just, like, in general, like, do you have any pieces of advice or the biggest thing that you think is really important for young adults to know just as we start this conversation? I think probably the biggest advice I would give is to really focus on putting your identity in God consciously instead of putting your identity in something else, which a lot of times happens subconsciously. Like I think our generation especially is really obsessed with like numbers so the number of a grade or like the number of people following you, the number of likes you get on a, like our generation just has this weird obsession with numbers. And I think one problem I had throughout high school was subconsciously just putting my whole identity in how high a number was. Mm-hmm. And I think once I started making an intentional effort to put my identity in God instead, um, I just became a happier person. So that's probably the biggest advice I would have. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think that's so true, like, and kind of going along with that, like, being intentional of, like, constantly putting our identity in Christ and constantly, like, choosing to see ourselves how he sees us instead of, like, numbers or um, even how other people see us or whatever that may be. So, yeah, I think that's really important, especially for, like, college students, because they, you know, everyone wants a good grade. Everyone wants, like, a certain number of followers, you know, so I think, yeah, just really focusing on what God says is super important, so I really love that. So I kind of also wanted to just take a minute to really talk about our club and what we do, um, since you are, like, the president, you're kind of, like, the leader, um, just kind of what we've been doing so far this year with the club, and also you have some really cool, like, God moments, as we call them, of just how like the club like got started or how just I don't know like cool moments like God's working it so if you want to take a second to just kind of talk about all that talk about the God moments in the club um because I think that really shows just how like present God is in this issue so yeah if you want to go ahead and talk about that so before I went into GCU, the summer before my freshman year, I remember looking on Instagram for clubs that GCU had, and I specifically was looking for a pro-life club because I knew that that was something I would want to get involved with, but there wasn't one. I didn't find one anywhere, and so I had the idea that I could try to start one, but I was a little bit nervous to do that. I started um, a pro-life conservative group at my high school, and it was a total failure. So I was a little bit nervous to try to do something again. Um, and so I remember when I got to school thinking about it, but I was a freshman, I didn't really know if I was gonna do it. And I thought to myself, 
that I wasn't going to do it alone. But if I could find somebody else, I would do it. And I didn't even pray about it. I should have. But at this time, I wasn't praying about it. It was just a thought I had that I wasn't going to do it alone. Um, and then literally the very next day, I, one of my roommates told me about this girl she met on the sidewalk. Literally, like they were just like walking on the sidewalk and they happened to run into each other. And she's like, oh, she's great. You have to meet her. So I met her. And one of the very first things she says to me when she starts talking about how she wants to get more involved with the pro-life movement. And I just thought it was really weird because literally the day before I had been thinking about that. So um, it was just like a really weird coincidence. So I asked her, um, her name is Olivia. I asked her if she wanted to help me start a pro-life group. And she like immediately was so excited about it. Um, she's currently the club secretary and she's amazing. We actually went to DC together last week when Roe versus Wade was overturned, which is really cool. So I think that was like kind of the first big God moment. Like after that, I started praying about it and it was, just, it was really um, a crazy moment. So and then running into you also was like a <laughs> moment too. Um, so then we started doing like the paperwork to get the club approved. And it was a really slow start. We spent like all of first semester filling out like one form to get the club approved, which is like a ridiculously long amount of time um, for that one form. And we, just, we were a little bit disorganized at first and it just wasn't really coming together. And then I remember um, breaking my leg and like absolutely just shattering my leg. And <laughs> I had to get leg surgery. And for some reason, I just associate that with the time that the club picked up. It's like the second I smashed my leg into a million pieces was like our club just skyrocketed. So I think the moral of that story is <laughs> being slow about something, like just get on a longboard and absolutely not. Just um, I'm totally joking, but that was like about the time when it started like skyrocketing. And then from there, th there's no association with those two events. It's, I, it's just what I associate with in my head. But from then we just started doing like a ton of stuff. So we did a diaper fundraiser. We collected 1800 diapers. Um, we had a first meeting with like 60 students. Yeah. We did sidewalk counseling every single month. Um, sidewalk counseling is when you go to like a Planned Parenthood and pray outside of it. Mm -hmm. um, we watched the movie Unplanned. We did so many tabling events and we just like yeah. talked to people who didn't know where they stood on, on the abortion issue. Um, and it was crazy. And then another God, sorry, this is a really long story. Um, another God moment that was really crazy was um, we were supposed to fill out these forms to get the club reapproved for next school year. And so we had filled out all of the forms, but it was the very last week of school and I got really busy and distracted and I forgot to submit the, so they were all done, but I forgot to submit the forms. And the day that the forms were due, um, this man who works at Choices Pregnancy Center called me, like having no idea anything about GCU forms, like. He didn't know that the club form was due that day. He didn't know I was like forgetting to do, he had no idea of anything. And we don't even talk, it's not like he's someone that I just regularly talk to. So it was really weird that he called me. Literally all he said on the phone to me, all he said was he was like, hey, I'm just checking in. I wanted to make sure you have everything ready for next year. So all he said, and that was the day the club forms were due. And I had completely forgotten about them for like three weeks. So that was really weird. Um, very odd coincidence. So, <laughs> so the club was saved because of that moment, which is really crazy. Um, 
yeah so just things like that it's it's pretty cool how how god works yeah nicole i have another quick story i remember i think it was maybe like when you broke your leg or something and we had to go to the like basically the student council meeting to get like our club officially approved and no one else could go to the meeting but me and I was like so unprepared like I didn't like I didn't know what they were gonna do or say or ask me but I remember like I was just like texting a bunch of people like hey like do you want to come with me to this like are you able to and finally one girl said that she would like just kind of like random last minute so we went to this meeting and like they were kind of just like calling up um people who were wanting to get clubs approved and like kind of give their reasoning for like what their club does why they wanted approved all that um there's a very specific process for clubs at GCU, um, but we we love GCU. Um, but so yeah, so I was I didn't know that they were gonna do that. So I literally got up there, I sat like up by myself, and they were asking me questions like, "What are you gonna do if this happens?" And what about this? And I was just like, "Uh, well, here's what I think." I was not, and I I told them like. I wasn't really prepared for this. Um, our president, like, isn't, she wasn't able to come, but here I am. Um, but, like, they, like, everyone was so gracious. Like, even the other clubs and the other people who went to this meeting, they're like, oh, you did such a good job, like, explaining everything. You did such a good job. And then they passed our club. So, like, that was just super, it was, like, weird but it paid off and it was really fun. <laughs> and the girl who went with you is now a club officer also. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so that's just another cool story of just like how God works and everything. So yeah, super crazy what stuff goes on <laughs> in our lives, but we love it. Um, okay, so for the listeners, if you haven't already guessed, this podcast episode is all about basically the pro-life view from a Christian perspective and why that's important, how abortion affects society, what is abortion, all of that. And I really wanted to have Nicole on here to talk about it, especially in light of um, recent news, you know, with Roe v. Wade being overturned and how all these states are now, um, a lot of states are now like passing restrictions and bans on abortion. Um, a lot of people are really confused about what this means, about what abortion really is. So I just thought it'd be such an awesome opportunity to um, talk about it and to sit down with like an expert. Um, Nicole is just really knowledgeable and just really cares about this issue, and so do I. Um, so yeah, so just jumping right on into the questions that I have for Nicole. Um, what does it mean to be pro-life? Like, what is that? Why do people keep saying that? What is pro-life? Um, so I think there are three things that define being pro-life. First is understanding the science that life begins at conception. The second is understanding that human beings are made in God's image and that life is precious. And the third is basic, that, that murder is wrong. So if you can understand all three of those things, um, I 
I don't see how you could not be pro-life, honestly. So that's how I would define it. Yeah, awesome. Okay, what is abortion and why does that issue matter in society? Why do we as Christians and as quote-unquote pro-lifers um, care about that so much? Um, so abortion is the intentional murder of a pre-born child in the womb. Um, it matters so much because it's a human life and murder is wrong. And in all past um, instances of human genocide throughout history, um, the common trend that we see is dehumanizing the, the people that are being killed. So in the Holocaust, um, the Nazis completely dehumanized the Jews throughout slavery. Um, they were just completely dehumanized. And now we see with the pre-born children, people are dehumanizing them, calling them parasites, saying that life is subjective and life um, it kind of depends on circumstances, which isn't true. Your life is valuable no matter your circumstance and your life exists no matter the circumstance. Um, if you're on a ventilator, that doesn't mean, oh, well, we can't actually tell if this person is living or not. Um, you're either living or you're not. It's pretty black and white. Yes. So that's why it matters so much. We can't dehumanize these preborn children. And when you listen to the side of a lot of pro-abortion people, you just hear a, a ton of dehumanization from the preborn. Um, even when people don't realize they're doing it, there's some people who truly think, some pro-abortion people who truly think that they're doing what's right, but just the constant dehumanization of those, this entire group of people um, I just think it's so important that we protect those people and we recognize that this is human genocide. And in a couple years down the road, people are going to be looking back and talking about how much we dehumanize this entire segment of the population. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think that's really important when it when you put it in that way that um, like it really is dehumanizing to people and all throughout society, we see that the dehumanization of people leads to a downfall um, and destruction. And like, we already are starting to see that in our society. Um, like birth rate is so low right now. Um, people are having children later on in life. And um, I listened to Charlie Kirk's podcast. He has kind of touched on um like how the population rate right now is like decreasing and it like it might not like recover he he put it in a, a different way that makes more sense than how I just put it but um yeah like so all this stuff is so crazy and I think um another thing that you said that it's really is black and white like it's right and wrong it's black and white I've heard so many people say well no it's not black and white there's a lot of gray issues there's a lot of quote-unquote nuances that's become kind of a buzzword the word nuances so I don't know do you have any response to just that way of thinking that it's there's gray it's not always black and white um if you want to quickly touch on that well, I think I already mentioned this, but one thing I hear a lot is that when um, the preborn child is in the womb, it can't live on its own. It, it needs somebody else to breathe. Um, so therefore, we can't actually tell if it's a human or not. But that argument, it, it doesn't really make sense to me because there's so many people who can't breathe on their own, people on ventilators, people in submarines, um, like 
planes and people on mars like people in outer space like they don't even have like gravity like they don't have like actual like air you know so yeah yeah and no one's questioning whether or not they're actually living we're not looking at a person on a ventilator and saying I don't really know they have a heartbeat but I can't really tell whether or not they're living we don't ever question that ever um we don't say like their life is subjective oh well like maybe they're not fully developed on the ventilator because of not we don't say it. like life is either yes or no regardless of your mental capacity regardless mm-hmm. of your human development your age like what kind of medical conditions you have it doesn't like life is a yes or no thing there's not conditions that go into whether or not you're living and I think that idea is I for me it's hard to wrap my head around how people could have that idea so I yeah (laughs) yeah I mean it it is so hard like I don't know just the excuses that people will use some of it do some of some people do mean it in like a truly like um like degrading way but then other people like just don't know like what the inborn is or what abortion really does so kind of um going off of that what is the unborn or pre-born um as you said say and they mean the same thing what is the unborn um why should we protect them um so many pro-choice pro-abortion people say oh they're just a clump of cells well you know are they really a clump of cells are they more than that um what's the deal so the unborn it starts at conception when male sperm meets female egg it creates a zygote which is a living human being according to 98 percent of all biologists Mm -hmm. this embryo is undeniably a human because of science but I think when you also look at it from a Christian perspective knowing that we are made in God's image and and human life is more valuable than than any animal life which is a Christian idea because we understand that we are made we're not just a product of science we're made in the image of God and we are valuable in God's eyes that that life that is created and that scientifically is a human life should also be valued So by six weeks in the womb, the child has arms, legs, and bones. Mm -hmm. Um, The child has eyelids and organs begin to form. The child has brainwave activity. And by 20 weeks, the child can feel pain and can feel the abortion as it's happening. So it's it's undeniably a human. it's, It's indisputable evidence from science and also from a Christian perspective, but Mostly from science, you can't dispute the fact that it is a human. Yeah, I think how you said, like, from both perspectives, um, like, from science and from, like, Christianity, like, from any any perspective that we want to take on this argument, like, the pro-life side is the only one that actually makes sense and that actually is, I guess, moral. Like, it's not in any way of thinking, like, killing innocent people, like, is never okay. So why do people try to justify it with the innocent people in the womb at the same time like from like you can we can look at this from every perspective like science or christianity or even politics or philosophical like all all things say that life begins at conception and it's wrong to kill innocent life so yeah however like however you want to take this issue like 
there you're always right so yeah I, yeah very interesting um and then so are there any negative effects that abortion has on a woman um do you if you kind of also want to touch on maybe some of the procedures of abortion um just really quickly and then kind of mention what the negative effects are if there are any yeah so abortion can be done through surgical abortion which uses um a tool to rip the child out limb by limb from the womb this is obviously dangerous because it kills a child but also very dangerous to the woman so this kind of treatment causes um infertility, depression, cancer, anxiety, and PTSD. It can lead to all of those things because it's such a dangerous procedure. The other way of getting an abortion is through the abortion pill. So there are two pills. The first pill starves the child. Um, and then the second pill that you take um, next causes induced birth to the dead, starved child. Um, this chemical abortion has been pushed a lot in the past couple of years as the pro-life movement has been winning and as there have been more restrictions on abortion. Um, a lot of these pro-abortion organizations have realized that they need to start pushing chemical abortion because that's kind of one way to get across the law. Like in states where abortion is illegal, people can still order chemical abortion from out of state. So in the past couple of years, as these pro-abortion groups like Planned Parenthood have realized that um, the pro-life movement is winning, they've started to push this, but chemical abortion is actually four times more dangerous than surgical abortion. You don't need to see a doctor for chemical abortion. They just mail it to you without anything. So a lot of these women who have no idea what they're doing um, and they're in this situation alone, completely alone, they just have this mailed to them, not seeing a doctor, not consulting anyone. They don't know what to expect. They don't know that they're actually going to give birth to a dead child. Taking the pill does not just make the pregnancy go away. You still have to give birth to that dead child. And um, it's an extremely dangerous procedure. Women have died from this um, chemical abortion. Um, it's very dangerous. So yes, there are negative effects. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really sad, too, I think that, you know, like Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry really, like, tries to exploit women, but all they're doing is harm them under the guise that it's for women's health. It's not for women's health. Um, it's, it's really sad that women buy into that and women think they're less than that. Um, and then kind of going off that, and we already, we mentioned this a, a little bit, but how does the issue of abortion affect society? I think that, um, and this is not original, I've seen this on Instagram, I don't know, I don't remember who said it first, but with a society that devalues life in the womb, obviously people are going to also devalue life outside of the womb. Right. Actually, I think I saw this on your Instagram, I don't remember who said it first, oh, um, I but know. I think it's so true because I've been seeing a lot of people um, messaging me on Instagram, again, like talking about how they think life is subjective. It's, it's not a black and white issue according to them. And they're like, no, there's this gray space where we can't really tell um, if it's human. And some of them even will say that if a child survives a failed abortion, the child should be killed after the abortion. I've had 
people on Instagram say that to me. I also do um, door-to-door talking to people about abortion. Mm-hmm. And I've heard people say that often that they think if a child survives abortion, even then it should be killed, which is just a crazy radical belief. Um, but it's because we're in a society where life is not valued the way it should be. So when people question life and it, I think it just changes our, our moral system. Mm-hmm. It changes the way people think and it changes the way people perceive themselves as well. If people think yes. that because of how they were, con- if people think that the method in which they were conceived affects their value as a human, then they're not going to look at themselves the same way. Um, and I think it's, it's really sad. I just have a lot of empathy for those people. Wow, that was so good, Nicole. Like, we're really just coming at this from, like, an empathetic point of view. Like, it's, like, so sad just to see people devalue life. And I I think you're exactly right. Like, they, like, people who devalue life for, like, the unborn will start to devalue life for themselves and we we see that with like the depression and suicide rates like just skyrocketing like people like kind of are losing their will to live um because they don't value life they don't even value their own life and I also think because people don't value their own life and maybe struggle with depression and suicide they're not going to value the life of you know the unborn like that you know that wouldn't make sense for them so yeah I think this is just such a sad topic like once we actually get into why people think that and yeah Nicole I think you're exactly right and I really just appreciate what you said that was awesome all right Nicole so what are some reasons why women consider abortions in the first place so I think there are a lot of reasons why women consider abortions I read this really good book about um the pro-life movement, it's called Unplanned Grace by Brittany Smith and Natasha Smith. And it has a lot of facts about why women get abortions because one way to stop abortions from, so I think the pro-life, the pro-life movement has two sides, like a political side and then a community service side. Yeah. And on the community service side, that's where we can like actively stop women from choosing to get abortions by, by stopping abortion at its roots, which is the mm-hmm. causes that a lot of women get abortions. So um, some of the things that cause it are lack of money. So according to a gut matcher study, 73% of um, women who choose abortion said it was because they could not afford to have a child. That's 73% of women. So if these women felt that they could be financially stable enough to have a child, would those 73% of women have chosen something different? I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't speak for them. And I don't think that financial instability is an excuse at all for abortion. This is not to justify them. Yeah. But that's the reason that a lot of women get it. And I think a lot of women don't understand that they're strong enough to have a child, even if they don't think they are. And we can help them. And as a church, I think it's important that we provide loving support to these women. So according to the same study, of women who had abortions in 2014 fell below the poverty line. So according to a study from the Journal of American Physicians and Surgeons, 73.8% of women felt pressured to have an abortion. Um, 50% of them did it to make somebody else happy. So 
I think a lot of these women aren't even making the choice for themselves, which again does not justify them going to get the abortion at all. I don't think it's a justification, but I think we should have a lot of empathy on these women yes. and just help them understand that there's going to be support. They don't need to do this because somebody else is telling them to do it. Um, forced abortion is already illegal, but it happens anyway. It happens every day. According to another gut matcher study, 14% of women had partners tell them that they should get an abortion. Um, and this brings up the issue of domestic violence. Um, so 24% of all women are victims of domestic violence. That, that's a lot of women. And some of these women who get pregnant do it in order to avoid further abuse. And I think a lot of these women don't know how to get out of those abusive situations. I think it's important that we help women in those situations as well. Mm -hmm. A lot of women also will get abortions because they feel ashamed of, of being pregnant and they don't want to be judged by their peers and they don't want to be judged by the church. So a lot of these women just feel really isolated. And I think that it is so important that as, a, as the pro-life movement and as the church, as ambassadors of God, we just show love to these people and we help them address all of these reasons to why they could, why they might be getting an abortion. And we address these reasons and show them that they're strong enough to have a child and, and they can do it. And we're going to love them throughout it, um, throughout the pregnancy and after the pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Those statistics were very interesting and just really shed sheds a lot of light on the women who like do get abortions or even consider abortions and just all those issues that we need to address more than just like legislation. Like we need to address the problem, like you said, of abortion and to really reduce it and to really help women ultimately. So I think that's really important. Um, what about in cases of rape? Is it okay for women who have gotten pregnant out of rape to abort her baby? Why or why not? Um, so I have a lot of sympathy for women who are victims of sexual assault in general. And I especially have a lot of sympathy for women who get pregnant due to a rape. And I think it's a horrible thing that happens. And a horrible I have a ton of sympathy for these women and I think we should support them in every single way possible and help them take care of the child however they need that help and I still do not think that abortion is right in those circumstances because at the end of the day life is not subjective we can't say that because of this method of conception this horrible way that this child was conceived that doesn't make the child any less of a human it's still a human and although this horrible horrible thing happened and the rapist should go to jail for, for life, like in every punishment possible. And it's a horrible thing that happens. It does not mean that the child is not a human because this is a black and white issue. The child is still a human. The child is still living and it does not make it okay to kill that child. Right. Um, I think it's a really difficult situation. And a lot of times it's used as a tool by pro-abortion people to kind of draw that emotion and make pro-lifers say, oh, well, in this circumstance, but we can't control the fact that it is a human. We, we can't stop that scientific fact that it is a human. So I don't make exceptions for that. I just, I think that as a pro-life movement, we need to be showing so much love to these women and help yeah. them in whatever way possible. Yeah, so much grace and love. And yeah, what I always tell people is that there are now two victims from this rape. 
not just the mother, but, you know, the innocent baby who had no choice, just like the mother in the situation. Um, and that just adds so much more hardship and so much more pain and trauma on the mother um, from that situation. Um, and it just makes everything worse. It doesn't make the pain of the rape go away. It doesn't make the rape itself go away. Like, it just adds so much more awful things to an already really awful thing and so abortion it's not good for women and another thing I tell people is like like would you tell like a 20 year old who um was conceived like when her mother was raped would you tell that girl that she deserved to die just because of the situation that she was conceived in like no like we wouldn't tell people that because they're human beings and their life is valuable no matter what. So what's the difference between, you know, like a child and a womb? Um, and I also wanted to shout out with that. So I'm going to try to do another podcast where we talk more about the different arguments and different reasons um, for like the pro-life movement and arguments like against abortion, if that makes sense. So, like, the sled test, um, size, level of development, um, environment, and degree of dependency, all those are reasons why the unborn is still a person. We're going to get into that in another episode. So, um, yeah, this one is just more of, like, the societal effects. So that's kind of why. So just stay tuned. That will come later. But And this is a really important question. What has the pro-life movement done slash what can the pro-life movement do to help pregnant mothers in need or those in crisis situations that we just mentioned? Yeah, so the pro-life movement supports a lot of pregnancy resource centers, which pregnancy resource centers are um, nine out of 10 times going to be pro-life. There are some that say they're pregnancy resource centers, and then you look at their website and they, they give abortions. So you have to be careful which ones you're looking at. But for the most part, pregnancy resource centers are these um, nonprofit organizations that are pro-life and they help women go through other options um, when they're pregnant. So many of them offer free um, pregnancy tests, free STD testing, free parenting classes, free clothes for kids, free diapers. Um, and then they also offer resources for women who who did get abortions. So some of their clients they talk to still end up going to get abortions and the Pregnancy Resource Center will also support those women after an abortion um, or after the birth of a child. Um, so some other statistics about that. Um, this is from a 2019 study from the organization Susan B. Anthony List who investigated um, pregnancy resource centers. So in 2019, they gave $270 million in resources to women in need. There are over 3,000 pregnancy resource centers in the nation with over 10,000 medical, medically trained employees. Wow. Um, 79% of them offer free ultrasounds. They have 24 thousand post-abortive clients they just offer a lot of resource so in phoenix one that we work with as um a club is choices pregnancy resource center which offers free pregnancy tests cheap SCD testing uh, free ultrasounds things, things like that and so we've been working with them to um, go in and volunteer and to collect stuff for them so we're actually currently doing a fundraiser right now that we literally just started today um, where we're collecting money for them for um, diapers to give to women for free 
So um, things like that. And I think it's really important, especially now that we really focus on pouring into these resource centers and helping women. There are also some organizations that will help women who are- um, Awesome. Yeah, I think those are like so important. And I feel like not enough people know about them or know what they do. Um, but yeah, recently, I don't know if, for the listeners, if you guys have seen news lately, but people have actually been burning up these uh, pregnancy centers and looting them and like just like destroying them. Um, maybe because they don't know what they actually do for women and for children. So I just, yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to these pregnancy centers. Yeah, please be aware of them and please educate yourself on them because I think it's super important and more women need to know about it. Kind of going off of that with like the the destruction of pregnancy centers, the reason for that is the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So Nicole, if you kind of want to talk about what does the overturning of Roe v. Wade mean? What kind of caused that to happen? Like kind of the background? Um, is abortion illegal now? Uh, like what does all that mean? Yeah, so Roe versus Wade was a case that made it so uh, it restricted how many limits states could put on abortions. So it the, the ruling of Roe versus Wade was that states could still restrict abortion in the first trimester. They could have some restrictions in the second trimester. And then states were not allowed to put any restrictions on the third trimester. Um, however, this was taken a step further with the case Doe versus Bolton. So Doe versus Bolton, which happened at the same time, said that if a woman's health is at risk, then a state cannot stop that woman from having an abortion at any point. Also, I think I just said everything backwards. Can I start over? I think I was saying the, did I say it wrong? I'm pretty sure I did. No. Well, I think I said in the first trimester, they can't put any restrictions or something like that. Oh no, you didn't say that. Didn't say, okay, okay. okay. for For the third trimester, there's no restrictions. Oh, okay, okay, my bad. Sorry, I'm sorry. Editing this is gonna be a mess. So if you're really editing this, I love you and you're doing a great job. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. um, So Doe versus Bolton said that if a woman's health is at risk, then a state cannot prevent her from having an abortion at any stage in the pregnancy. This means a woman could literally be giving birth. And then if she decides that her mental health will be affected by this pregnancy, a state cannot stop her from having an abortion. So that was what this case ended up saying. So this, these decisions were a horrible decision from the Supreme Court that totally monopolized the power that the Supreme Court had. So yeah. I have, I've heard a lot of concern, especially when I'm door knocking, um, I hear a lot of conservatives who are pro-life say that they don't think the federal government should have a say. So they A lot of conservatives did not want to overturn Roe because they said that the federal government should not have a say in abortion. But that's actually not the case. That's a misconception that I think a lot of conservatives have. So Roe actually took the power off. Oh, wait, no, overturning Roe took the power off of the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court's decision in the Dobbs case Mm -hmm. limited the power that the Supreme Court had. It did not give the Supreme Court extra power. It was not 
like an authoritarian rule. This took the power away from them. It diminished some of the power that they had and put that into the hands of the people electing their state representatives. So it does not make abortion illegal. It makes it so that states can choose. Um, And another thing, so in the in the Dobbs case, it also says that um, Casey was overturned. Casey is very similar to Roe versus Wade. It it just affirmed Roe versus Wade. So Mm -hmm. that's that's another case that was involved. Yeah. And then, yeah, so many people think that abortion, you know, shouldn't be up to the federal government, like you said, but the federal government was the one who decided that it was up to them. Those seven men on the Supreme Court decided we're going to take this in our own hands and create this faulty legislation. But for one, that's not even the role of the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is supposed to interpret the Constitution and interpret law and not create law. Um, But yeah, like you said, it just reverses it to where it's at a state level where the states can decide or not to decide to put on restrictions um, for abortion. And I've heard so many people say, like, oh, no, like, it it should be up to the people that, like, when abortion should be decided, like, men have no say. And I'm like, well, first of all, the most diverse court in this in the U.S. history with one woman literally said that we, that it is not up to the Supreme Court to decide restrictions on abortion. It's up to the states. And now for the state, you decide what restrictions you want on abortion by who you vote for. You vote for whatever laws you want whatever you want to see enacted you vote for those kinds of people so now you do have to say so people are just so confused with this overturning of Roe v Wade like now we don't have a say in anything like it should be up to the people and like literally I was talking with someone and they were saying that and I was like wait well now you do because you can vote you can vote for it like this is always how it should have been like you can now vote for your policies that you want so yeah yeah very interesting and I loved that you cleared that up and just made so much sense out of that that was awesome what does the reversing of Roe v Wade mean for children both born and unborn well for the unborn this is a huge deal because the Supreme Court of the United States is now saying that abortion is unconstitutional um so that alone gives um, a huge win to the unborn children. Born children, I also think because, wait, hang on, hang on. I messed up with what I just said. Born children, I also think that uh, this case affects because like we were talking about earlier, um, all life is devalued when you devalue life in the womb. So I think it affects humanity as a whole. Yeah, yeah. With Roe v. Wade being overturned, so many people on, you know, the pro-choice, pro-abortion side have been saying that, you know, what are we going to do with all these unwanted babies since states have all these restrictions on abortion now? Like, who's going to take care of all these unwanted babies? And they keep saying unwanted, um, which I really just hate that they say that. I think it continues the devaluation of of human life how can the pro-life movement and even just the church like as christians 
help women and these quote-unquote unwanted babies since Roe v. Wade is overturned and now these states have like are going to have more restrictions on abortion. I think it's important that the church talks about abortion because I think through that we can show love to these children who feel that their lives are undervalued and for women who feel like they don't have another choice other than abortion because a lot of churches will never bring up abortion because they don't want to be controversial but that leads to a lot of people feeling isolated because abortion has affected so many men and women and children and so there are a ton of people who just feel completely isolated um, I read one statistic somewhere that 33% of women in the church who have had an abortion don't think that God will forgive them for getting an abortion. We don't talk about this as a church. Like if we were a church talking about this, we wouldn't have that issue. And I want, um, I just really want these women to know that they're still loved and that God's salvation can still reach them. Um, so I think to help these women as a church, we need to talk about this issue and not hide it out of fear of controversy. Yeah, and then kind of going off of that, um, we kind of already touched on that, but what is the church and even in individual Christians role in the issue of abortion? Should Christians care about this issue and like, you know, be, be vocal about it, like you were saying, or should they just not say anything, stay out of it, you know, try to keep the peace? What do you think? I think all Christians have a responsibility to take care of children. Um, Jesus talks about it a lot throughout the four gospels about how important it is that we love children and whatever we do for his children, we're doing for the kingdom of God. So I think it's important that as a church, we, we do help these children. I think all Christians should care about the preborn kids and all Christians should be fighting to end the murder of preborn children. Yeah. How should we interact with pro-choicers or people who have different views on abortion than us? Um, I try to come at it with a lot of love and sympathy because a lot of the people that are super passionately for abortion have had experiences with abortion. Mm -hmm. So I try to come at it with a lot of sympathy, understanding that um, they might be doing this from a place of grief and sadness. Yeah. And so first, I think it's important to understand that because um, I've seen a lot of people try to argue with pro-abortion people and, and just not understand that it might be coming from an emotional place too. I also think it's important though to find that balance. If you're talking to somebody who is pro-abortion and, and gets too emotional about it, then sometimes it's not um, mm -hmm. worth the conversation, especially on social media. The conversation shouldn't be worth it because um, if it's clouded by emotions, it's probably not going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, but then I think it's important to to tell them the truth and not fear controversy because yeah. um, it is a controversial subject and a lot of people don't bring it up because they think it's going to be controversial but we have to help these people and clear up the, the misconceptions that a lot of people have so like I said there's so many women who get abortions because they feel like they don't have another choice if we stay silent then we're not going to clear up then, then these women are going to continue to feel like they don't have another choice so we need to just be bold in what we're saying, speak boldly and speak with love. Yeah, good. Yeah, and also I would say like, just give like give them a lot of grace because yeah, like you said, like maybe they did have an experience with abortion or maybe they do have like, I don't know, some some trauma or something attached with that, that um, 
that kind of causes <coughs> causes them to view it that way. Um, and then I think another thing too, this is something that my youth pastor always says, shout out to Trevor. Our war is not against flesh and blood. Like we're like, and I have to remind myself of this too, but like for those of us who are Christians, who are pro-life and we hear this noise that, you know, abortion is okay, murder is okay. They're not really humans and are just so nasty to us personally. Um, we just have to realize like, it's our war, our battle, whatever, our fight isn't against flesh and blood. It's not against other people um, because they're sinful and we're sinful too, but it's against, you know, the powers of darkness. It's really a spiritual warfare thing. Um, but we have Jesus on our side and we like already won. Um, so we don't have to like let kind of that negative negativity and that darkness get to us and we also don't have to be angry with these people either because it's not always them that is acting that way if that makes sense it's a spiritual warfare it's the spiritual realms that are influencing them it's really satan that is influencing society and yeah so just having going in every conversation with anyone who doesn't think the same way as you about anything, but especially on this super controversial topic about abortion, um, to just really have that mindset that it's not a war against person to person. It's the principalities of darkness. Um, Ephesians talks about that, I believe. So yeah, um, just just understanding that and understanding that it's not even if they attack you personally it's not a personal attack it's satan and but we we can tell satan that we already won so um yeah and then nicole what advice would you give to someone who's gotten so much hate from people who are pro-abortion i think first it's important not to take it personally because they're not angry well, they are angry at you, but what they're attacking is not you as a person. They're attacking the ideology and you have everything for your ideology. You have science for your ideology. You have God backing it and you have basic human universal law and morality. All of those three things are all backing that ideology. That is a pretty solid foundation <laughs> for a correct argument. And so they're not attacking you as a person. And if they do, it's because they ran out of arguments and they know that they're wrong. They're attacking the ideology, which is soundly rooted in these three things. And I think because of that, it's really important just not to take it personally um, and also to pray for these people. Um, I would also say to let a conversation end. If you see that a person is really just coming with a lot of hate, I would just highly recommend ending the conversation because it's not going to go anywhere a lot of times. Um, also, if somebody is saying, sometimes I'll start talking to people and then they'll acknowledge that they understand that the pre-born are humans. If they understand that it's humans, I, I think it's hard to change their mind at that point because they, they know that it's wrong. And so once we reach that point in a conversation, usually I, I you just have to pray for them at that point. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely a lot of prayer. Um, pray for people's minds and hearts to change really because like 
sure we can plant seeds, but like God is ultimately the one that can really change people. Um, all right, Nicole, well, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. I had just the best time and literally I already like I know so much about abortion, but just talking with you and hearing your perspective, I learned a lot so much. Um, do you have any other like last minute um, things that you want to say or just something to end the episode out on? Maybe any takeaways? I don't think so. I think I covered a lot. So thank you for having me. I was so excited when you asked me. I've been following your podcast and everything. And I was like, oh, what if one day she asked me? And then you texted me. So I was so excited. So (laughs) you're welcome. That's awesome. Um, Nicole, do you want people to find you on social media or? (laughs) Um, On social media, yes. Uh, Physically, please don't find my exact location. That would be a little creepy. But uh, social media, yeah. <laughs> okay, what's your Instagram? It's ni-cole martin. So it's like Nicole Martin, but there's like a dash between <laughs> ni and the rest of it. Awesome. And that's my username for like everything. Awesome. And then how can people support you? Any, Wait, any, that's any... wrong. It's ni-cole. Sorry, it's not a dash. It's a dash. <laughs> my bad. I apologize. Anyway, sorry, continue. Um. Is there any way that people can support you in what you're doing for the for the kingdom of God? Prayer would be highly appreciated. Um, if you're a student at GCU or in the Arizona area, uh, you can join our club, absolutely. Um, donating to pregnancy centers, volunteering with them, things like yeah. that. Awesome. All right, um, we probably have like 30 seconds left. Thank you so much. and. For the listeners, I hope you enjoyed. Thanks, Haley. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye, Queen. Bye, Queen. Lopes up. Lopes up. Forks down. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope you really enjoyed it and got something out of it. If you want more content from me, you can go follow my Instagram. That's at the Faithful Pursuit underscore podcast. That's always linked in the speaker notes. Um, I hope you have a great rest of your week, and I will see you on the next one.